Welcome to Songcraft. I'm Paul Duncan. And I'm Scott B. Bomar. You're listening to Wish I Knew You, written by our guest, David Shaw of The Revivalists. You shine like a star. You know who you are. You're everything beautiful. She's hot, hot like the sun. The loneliest one. David Shaw is the lead singer and one of the primary songwriters of the New Orleans-based band, The Revivalists. Formed by Shaw and guitarist Zach Feinberg, the now eight-piece group has released five full-length studio albums and two EPs since 2008. Their breakout single, Wish I Knew You, from 2016 hit number one on Billboard's Alternative Airplay chart and has been certified double platinum. Additionally, they've topped the Billboard Adult Alternative Airplay chart with their songs All My Friends and Kid. The latter is the lead single off the Revivalists' most recent album, Pour It Out Into the Night. Part one. Well, Paul, you know, we uh, sometimes pre-record some of the stuff uh, here at Songcraft. Today is the first time we've seen each other in six or seven weeks. Yeah. Uh, We were both traveling. I was in Europe. Uh, I came back with um, some sort of uh, crud, so... Pardon my uh, crummy voice. You sound awful. I don't sound great. Uh, I'll be honest. Um, And, you know, when you're a songwriter, sometimes you've got a song, but you don't sound great. Yeah. You know, you might not be a producer. You might just be a songwriter. And God, I just wish there was some place that people could go if they had a good song, but they just didn't sound great. I was going to jump in when you were talking and say, I'm not even sure that Pearl Snap could make you sound good right now. But you know what? I bet they could. I bet they could. I bet Justin and his team at Pearl Snap Studios can take any song, whatever it is, no matter how rough it is. Maybe you've just put something down on a on a handheld cassette player that you found in the back of your closet that hadn't been turned on in 27 years, and you put down a song idea on it. If you send that to Justin, he can hear the song, he can hear the concept, and he can give you a fully produced demo that sounds truly professional. Yeah, here's a few words you don't want to have to deal with. EQ, Ugh. compression, Ugh. mastering. Ugh. That's the kind of stuff that Justin's going to take care of for you. All you got to think about is rhyme, meter, cadence, melody, that kind of stuff. You get that stuff nailed and let them deal with things like dithering. Exactly. <laughs> or latency. So you write that great song. Go to pearlsnapstudios.com. Tell Justin that Songcraft sent you. If it's your first time, you're going to get a discount. More importantly, you're going to get an amazing recording. That's pearlsnapstudios.com. Dot com. Scott, you know what we haven't talked about in a while? We have not talked about the Noid from Domino's Pizza in a while. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> yeah, it's been at least a week. <laughs> By the way, Google him. He's awesome. No, we haven't talked about Patreon in a while. Oh, man. I love Patreon, and I love our patrons. And I believe that our patrons love us, too. I'd like what, to believe that. What Patreon is is a way for listeners to actually get involved kind of get their hands dirty and, and be a part of helping Songcraft move forward. Um, for small financial donations on a monthly basis, uh, you can actually receive some pretty cool rewards and know that you're being a part of what we're doing. It's kind of like public radio or PBS where, yes, the content is available to you for free, but if you believe in the mission, you can become a partner to help keep it going, to keep it alive. And that's why we value our patrons so much. Uh, we really appreciate what you guys do because it truly allows us to do what we do by by bringing you these amazing conversations. 
If you go to patreon.com slash songcraft show, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash songcraft show, you can see the various membership tiers. And we've named them all after uh, kind of references to songs. Like the lowest tier is called the album cut. Then we've got the hit single. You've got the top 10 with a bullet, the number one smash, the platinum seller. And my personal favorite is the timeless standard. And we're not going to touch on every single one of the perks that we've recently been refining here at Songcraft, but we got some new stuff that I'm pretty excited about. For instance, uh, at the timeless standard level, maybe you are an aspiring songwriter. Um, if you are a member of our timeless standard level for six months, you're going to earn a one hour Zoom co-write session with my co-host, esteemed songwriter, Paul Duncan. And maybe you've got a song that is just, it's close you know, you, you know you're onto something, but you just need help getting it across the finish line. You just need help fine-tuning it and getting it where it needs to be. Well, my good friend Paul Duncan, who, by the way, was nominated as the Dove Award Songwriter of the Year this year, he knows his way around a good song. And uh, that's a pretty amazing perk to have access to if you are a writer. And uh, we are going to limit that to one session every six months for, for folks who are in that tier. Um but I would personally like to see 100 people sign up for that tier and take advantage because I'd like to see Paul doing 200 of these sessions <laughs> a year. I would enjoy watching that uh, <laughs> while, while I reap the spoils. Um, so that's just one of the, the very cool uh, perks. Uh, Paul, what's some of the other cool new perks that we've come up with? Well, we're not only getting me involved. We're going to get you involved as well and your you know, limitless publishing background. Uh, for the Platinum Seller tier, um, we're actually going to do song critiques, and those are for completed songs that you guys want to turn in and, and just sort of get an impression, get some feedback before you actually kind of you know, throw these into the pitch market or whatever you're going to do with them, that, that we'll take a listen and we'll give you honest, uh, constructive feedback on these songs. Um, and honestly, kind of pulling some of what we've learned from these guests as well, you know, because we're learning all the time when we do these uh, when we do these episodes. So you'll be able to take some of the learning that we're all getting through these conversations and apply it to your own songwriting. Yeah. Another cool thing that we've recently added is for the top 10 with a bullet tier uh, and above is um, we're going to be posting on our Patreon for the members at that level and above who our upcoming guests are. Now, sometimes we only know like maybe a couple days before, oh, we're going to be interviewing so-and-so. But as soon as we know, you're going to know. We're going to put that on Patreon and give you the opportunity to ask a question of your own. So if we say, hey, we're going to be talking to Dolly Parton, which by the way, we don't have that scheduled, but I'm doing <laughs> aspirational dreaming here. All right, we're going to be speaking to Dolly Love Parton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, in four days, any question that you've been dying to ask Dolly Parton about songwriting? Well, that will be your opportunity to submit something. I can't promise that we're going to get every question that a Patreon subscriber submits, but I can promise you this. If we choose your question, when we ask the guest on the air, we'll be saying, hey, Dolly, uh, listener Chris in Des Moines uh, has always wanted to know such and such. So you're going to get a little shout out there uh, to the guest as we ask them the question, which I think is a pretty fun, interactive perk that we're offering. Yep. And one more thing to talk about from our hit single level all the way up to the top tiers everyone in those tiers is going to get exclusive opportunities to enter contests, uh, to participate in some drawings that we do, and also to have access to some exclusive Patreon-only audio, some things that we're only going to put on the page there. And this is the kind of stuff like bloopers. We're talking about uh, our impressions of the interviews after they happen, maybe some behind-the-scenes stuff, stuff you didn't know was going to happen. Scott spilled coffee on his pants on the way to talk Every to time. so-and-so, right? Every time. Yeah, uh, we can actually talk. You know, I'm going to tell you one right now. We thought we left a microphone at the home of Kevin Cronin, lead singer of REO Speedwagon. Uh-huh. 
and you had to go back and forth with him a bunch of times to see if it was there. Yeah. He had to go look around his room. That's embarrassing for us. Yeah. Well, and where was the microphone, Paul? Uh, it was in my backpack. Uh-huh. That's right. what happens. <laughs> yes, it was in your backpack. Uh, uh, but we I promise it. you there's something like that with every episode. And we're yes. going to let you guys know the stupid stuff that I either leave at someone's house or think I leave at someone's house and, and we've got to deal with. In fact, we're going to be launching kind of a little mini series where we're going to regularly be posting some of these behind the scenes things. In fact, we want to give you guys a taste so you can see if it's the kind of thing that you want to sign up for. We're going to have on our Patreon right now, if you go check it out at patreon.com slash songcraft show, a sample of us talking about the behind the scenes of our recent interview with Graham Nash. You're going to hear some real uh real talk between me and paul about how the interview went in what ways we made ourselves look like fools during the interview uh <laughs> what happened that was awkward um what happened that was amazing uh and and just kind of give you a little bit of behind the scenes uh bonus content that is going to be a little bit different tone than what the show yeah. is a little less polished a little more just uh, a couple people talking and probably making fun of each other and uh if you want to check that out you can check out that right now for free to see if you want to sign up to be getting that kind of bonus content all the time. So, you know, basically, this is the kind of thing where I think these rewards are pretty cool. Yep. But it's also just an invitation to be a part of what we're doing and to help support us. You know, Wikipedia does this from time to time. They'll tell you how you can support. And nobody does it. I think maybe one time I got super guilted into it and I, I you know, donated $5 to Wikipedia. Right. Um, but, you know, for the most part, we just sort of walk by these type of things. We don't do them. But it really does help. It really does sort of keep us going. And and if you love these shows and you love this content as much as we do, um, it's an invitation to be a part. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. If you ever run into my father and you tell him that you uh, listen to Songcraft and you say, hey, I love your son's podcast. He's going to say to you, do you support them on Patreon? Because <laughs> that's what he always does. So even if you think you don't know my dad, you never know, man. That guy's all <laughs> over the find place. You. And, yeah. and you don't want him to make you feel guilty. So you might no. as well just go to patreon.com slash songcraft show. Check out some of those tiers. See if you're in a position financially right now to help support what it is that we do if you love the show. And if you're not right now, that's okay. Maybe one day you will be. You'll come back and, and sign up. But we do really appreciate all of you guys who have already signed up. Everybody who's thinking about doing it. We genuinely think of our listeners as part of the Songcraft family. Uh, we feel connected with you guys. We know you draw inspiration from these conversations. And, you know, we appreciate that positive energy. So thank you guys in advance for, you know, finding that way to to be involved and, and help be part of the team. Speaking of what we're doing and how we're moving forward, uh, we have an episode today that I think is going to be a fan favorite, mostly because I'm, I'm not a part of it. Yeah, I think people enjoy the ones where you're out of town yeah. uh, and I do it I solo. It. I get um, it. No, no, I, I've, I've always lived in your shadow a little bit. So I appreciate the opportunity to, to do one of these uh, solo time and again. You were actually in Japan. I was. Uh, with your family and uh, having a great time on vacation, eating a, a lot of fish, I understand. There yeah. A lot of fish there in Japan. More than I wanted. Um, so, yeah, you, you were off in Japan. Then I was off in, in England and France and Spain. Uh, so we we haven't been together in, in a little while to, to do this. Um it's good to see you again. You look tan and rested from your Japanese <laughs> travels. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I spoke with David Shaw of The Revivalists while you were gone. And at the risk of, of making myself look stupid, which I do usually on this show, whether I'm trying or not, um, we got uh, something from the PR person of The Revivalists. And she said, hey, would you be interested in having David Shaw of The Revivalists on your show? And I texted you, Paul, and I go, hey, we got somebody reached out to us about this group. 
the revivalists and you go, Oh yeah, I think I've heard the revivalists. And, and I was like, yeah, I think I have. Do I know the revivalists? Uh, I pull them up on Spotify. The very first song has 182,042,753 streams. I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. So maybe I'm not the hippest dude. Uh, right. maybe I'm not fully on the pulse, but, uh, I took that as an opportunity to catch up and get on board and man, great band like what a what a killer band i felt embarrassed that i was only you know vaguely familiar and and feel very fortunate now to be like a full-fledged fan after the opportunity to have this conversation yeah well i think it's it's one of those things where it's impossible to be up on all the music going on out and and all the music and music history and all the things we try to stay up on and occasionally won't kind of sneak by you. And this was a band that I was loosely familiar with the name, but like you, I, I was like, man, those are some numbers. Yeah. And it, it really speaks to kind of how interesting it is because before to have a hit record, it showed up on everybody's radio at the same time. Yeah. In everybody's cars. And you knew that everybody in town was basically getting exposed to the same music yep. through radio, through MTV, through whatever. And now with the advent of streaming, People are able to go and find the music they want. They're able to, you know, you hear about a band on tour with somebody else, or whatever. And there is like these currents that are all happening at the same time. Yeah. And it's it's really cool how these opportunities sort of provide us with chances to get exposed to new music. And um, and I think you certainly found out through even your discussion why they have yeah. such great streaming numbers. I mean, a great band, great music. I mean, I'll tell you this. When I first looked up The Revivalists and I saw 182,042,753, it, it only took a couple minutes until it was sitting at 182,042,754 streams <laughs> because I was listening to that sucker. I mean, these guys are great. David's super nice guy. Um, and I hope that, uh, well, I'm going to assume that our listeners are smarter than we are. And you guys are probably already like, yeah, just shut up because we want to hear about the revivalists. Right. We've already been into this for forever. Um, so good on you. Way to be way to be ahead of the curve, you guys. I knew you were a smart audience. Um, that's exactly the kind of people we want on our Patreon. Totally. So, uh, totally. you know, this is all coming together. Um, but in the meantime, um, after you hit pause and you go to that Patreon and you check it out, come back and listen to this conversation with David Shaw. Genuinely cool. Good dude making some great music. Just kind of makes you feel excited about the roll down the windows. Good time kind of fun music and uh that's what it's all about right that is what it's all about and so the tier for today promises you the reward of awesome music <laughs> silent tear part two david welcome to songcraft Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to um, chat with you today. So the Revivalists uh, have uh, a new album called Pour It Out Into the Night. Um, yep. It's, I believe, your first record with Concord, which is a very cool label. And uh, there's yep. a, a, a song on the album called Don't Look Back. And it's a song that you guys have described as kind of pulling some sonic inspiration from your early punk rock days. And... Uh, that, that, uh, sparks my curiosity. I want to hear about your, your early punk rock days. I want to hear about, um, how you kind of first got into music and, and what kind of music it was initially that really got you excited. One of my first bands was like, you know, we were, I was very much into like, uh, the exploited, um, the casualties, the subhumans. I don't know. Let's see here. GBH. All these like um, some New York punk and some 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 uh, some London and some UK stuff. Um, always into the Clash, you know. 
Um, but yeah, so that was kind of where I came from. I also had my sisters kind of, you know, guiding my um, musical taste as well. She was into, my, my sister Joy was into Fish and the Grateful Dead. And my sister Chrissy, one of her favorite bands, I think was Tool. Um, Tool and Sade. Sade. So <laughs> Logical, very, I had, a, uh, yeah. I, had I was, I was, I was like getting it from all these different, you know, cause like I was a skateboard kid and, you know, so we were just always, that was like, you know, the energy that we wanted to be in, you know, punk, like, let me go to, I'm from around Cincinnati, Hamilton, Ohio. So we used to go to these just epic shows at this rock club in Cincinnati called Bogarts. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's, it's kind of one, it's, I feel like it was just like kind of a, a bit of an epicenter for some really great punk shows yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Cincinnati kind of had that vibe. It was, it was kind of a punk scene. Um, so that's kind of where I come from. I mean, I started playing uh, guitar when I was 12. I didn't start writing songs until I was about 22. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't really start singing until I was 22. I was always just a guitar player in, in all the bands that I was in. Interesting. And it really wasn't. Yeah. So what, what kind of spurred you to, to songwriting and, and what can you tell us about the first song that you ever wrote? Okay. So I don't really remember. So the thing that kind of spurred me to start writing, I think was like, I had all these, I had some things going on on the home front, you know, with my parents, they were getting a divorce. And I think that was a, a hard thing for me to deal with whether or not I showed it on the outside. I think I was going through some inner turmoil, you know, and I think that was one of the ways I was kind of like processing those emotions for sure. Um, and then I would say, I don't really, I honestly don't remember the first song that I really started because I feel like I started a bunch and was just like, I don't know about this. But I will tell you that the first song that I finished was, it's kind of, this is kind of insane to me to even say, but it's true, is Soul Fight. And it's, wow. and it's a song that's on our first, uh, our, well, it's an EP, but it's our first, um, you know, bit of recorded material that we yeah. did with the band. That I, the band, and that's a song that you wrote solo, right? Um, yeah, I wrote I wrote that one myself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I'm gonna stand here by your fire, cause it's a cold one tonight. I'm taking care of soul fight, and you're the reason. And why? Well, I don't ask questions and I don't tell no lies. It's the reason why I'm taking care of so far. And you're the reason why. Yeah, probably not a lot of people. Uh, I mean, that song's got some some crazy streaming numbers on Spotify. There's probably not a lot of people that can say their uh, their first song was <laughs> a success. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, it's kind of crazy to me, honestly. Um, you know, cause you don't, uh, I, I was just, it was certainly, it was certainly just, uh, you know, I was just like writing songs in my bedroom, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Trying, whittling it, you know, whittling it, you know, here and there, you know, before I'd, I'd wake up and I'd work on it a little bit. Yeah. It's interesting because that's, you know, kind of a piano driven mid-tempo song you know it's you, you don't necessarily listen to that song and go oh here's this like punk rock kid so obviously you were absorbing a, a lot of 
a lot of influences, but I, you know, I listen to a, a lyric, like just take a really good look at me. I'm 22 and I still don't see why all of you people can't get along anymore. Like that, you know, that's, you're, you're being pretty heavy and introspective for like a young, you know, young guy. Um, is that always kind of been a, a, a part of your, your writing impulse is kind of a more, you know, look, look at the world kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think I'm, yeah, trying to make sense of my world and the world, you know, via, you know, my artistic lens, I guess, or my filter or the filter that is, you know, just um, all of the things that I've listened to and all of my experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, after that uh, first EP that, that you guys did, um, you put out your uh, debut album, Vital Signs, in 2010, which was a, a self-released uh, record. And the song Catching Fireflies, um, another one that, that you wrote, um, it has sort of this rootsy country influence kind of vibe to it, which is a little bit of a different kind of um, impulse. And, and I feel like I kind of see from that, like, okay, you're, you're drawing from yet uh, further influences that we haven't even talked about yet. I need her under my skin Like a junkie needs heroin And I'm never going back to a snake And chase the amount of money I spent I could have bought the place And not to mention that they know my face And now it's hell getting out the place So I'm walking the streets tonight I'm catching some fireflies Some would say that I'm living a lie Yeah, man. You know, I had just moved to New Orleans and my um, musical taste and my musical world just kind of like blew up and just blossomed. And I, you know, when I got here, I met Zach like two weeks after we got here and he, we struck up a friendship pretty immediately and he burned me a, uh, or he gave me a flash drive or a data disc. I can't remember which which one, but I had like 600 songs on this thing, you know? Wow. And so like, and it was like a lot of music that I had never really listened to. Cause you know, we just talked about where I kind of came from. Yeah. And so I had like Bill Withers and a lot of just like seventies, um, some funk on there, a lot of folk music. Um, so yeah, my, my musical world was just like, everything was new and my, you know, where I was living was new and new Orleans is just such a vibrant, you know, musical cultural city. Yeah. It was just, everything was kind of coming into focus, but also still a bit blurry. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, catching firefly was flies was like my anthem to, you know, get sober and figure out my, you know, life basically. Hmm. Cause if you listen to the song and the lyrics, it's definitely, it's about an insane night <laughs> that I had that basically, scared the you know bejesus out of me to um yeah get on track yeah yeah you mentioned um zach who uh for our listeners is zach feinberg who's the lead guitarist in the band and and you guys were really kind of the you know once you guys met that was sort of the seed of of this whole thing um you absolutely you, you mentioned this cd he gave you of like a treasure trove of music how did you guys actually first 
connect and realize, oh, there's a, a creative spark here between us that, you know, maybe maybe this can be something. Um, I was singing and playing guitar on my front porch and I was just singing to the cemetery that was right across the street. And he he's coming home from class on his bike. And he actually told me, I don't think he normally took that way. But huh. that for that for that day, he took that way. And uh, we, you know, he stopped as I was singing and I stopped and I was like, what's up, bud? And he was like, he, he was like, keep singing. He was like, I stopped. I wanted to hear it. You know, he's like, I, I thought it was great, you know? Yeah. And I played the song. It was actually, it's, it was a song I was working on called Purple Heart. Um, that was, that ended up being on Vital Signs. Um, but yeah, so he, he, I, after I was done, I gave him the guitar and he played a little Mississippi, uh, uh, Candyman by Mississippi John Hurt. Mm. And, um, and, uh, I was like, okay, this is not, you know, this is not some like cowboy chord situation here. This guy knows what he's doing, you know, yeah. with the bass pattern, alternating stuff. So that was really cool, man. And I, you know, he, he was just a, just an awesome fella, you know, he had a good energy and, you know, we just kind of struck up a friendship from there and started doing a couple duo gigs and it was the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that's, fascinating about the revivalists is you, know, you guys did a, a, a couple of albums as an independent uh, band before, you know, signing a deal, but all during that period, you were playing like a ton of live shows. You know, I, I've, I've read as many as like 150 live shows a year, which is, you know, you're basically <laughs> every other night you're, you're on stage. And yep. as you are, creating new material, I would imagine that you have the opportunity to like, you know, it's like when they make a movie and they bring in a test crowd to like get their reaction to it. And then they, they might go make some edits based on that. Um, you're kind of testing material out all the time. Talk about how that live experience kind of plays into how, how that shapes your instincts as a songwriter, giving you a sense of like, uh, once you're in that writing room, kind of what you think may or may not work based on what you're doing out there every night. I think there's, there are definitely things that work live much better than they work in the studio. And there's things that work much better in the studio than they do live. Hmm. And so that was a, that was an interesting um, uh, place for us to kind of go. Cause we were such a live band and we were still really figuring out the studio and um, I definitely think that it informs some of the way I write because a lot of times, you know, I'll be thinking, I'll thinking, I'll be thinking like, okay, like, how is this going to land in a room of 5,000 people? Are they going to want, is are 5,000 people going to want to scream this lyric? Can I say this in the way and still say what I want to say, but is it going to be something that's going to land in the way that I that I need it to land and I want it to land and be the most impactful, you know? So there's always a lot of, um, workshopping kind of that goes along, goes on around that. And I think it, and I think you're, I think you're right. It comes from just being a, you know, a touring band and, you know, being thrown in the fire and knowing and hearing, you know, being going, coming from the studio and going, Oh man, this song is crushed in the studio. And then going out and playing it live and being like, Oh boy, we got some work to do. <laughs> right, right. 
not to put you on the spot, but actually I am putting you on the spot. Are, are there any, is there a song you can think of, of yours that maybe is on one of the records and you're like, man, I love that song, but we just don't play it live because it doesn't work live, but it works great on this record. Hmm. Let's think here. Oh, I think we're still working on other side of paradise. We're still trying to get that right live I th it's, it's a beautiful song and i don't want to take anything away from the live experience of it but i think we're still figuring it out yeah because it's like you know in the studio we have you know 15 vocals on that chorus that make it huge yeah. you know and we we don't use tracks we don't use this and that so it's like there's only four or five of us that are, you know, singing on that right in the chorus. And there's just all these other kind of elements. So that's one of the things that a lot of times I think is, is, is tough for us because we don't use tracks. I think a lot of bands these days do use tracks. And I think it, I think it does, it can elevate the songs in a certain kind of way, but it's just a, you know, we've decided to not use that. I mean, there's a, some instances where we use a little something here, but it's yeah. very much the afterthought. Yeah. You know, yeah. we want to make sure that the person is just doing their thing and this is what they're, you know, playing. Um, so yeah, I think we're still working on that one. We're, we're trying, you know, we're getting it there. It's, it's a beautiful song. Um, Andrew Campanelli is our drummer. He's yeah. just, he's the songwriter on that one. Yeah. Um, it's just such a beautiful song. And, I think it's just going to continue to take some work, you know? Yeah, yeah. If my senses fail, leave me on the other side of paradise, free from complication, of our sense of time. Well, you know, things really started to pay off for you guys uh, with your third album, Men Amongst Mountains, in 2015. That was a, a real breakthrough for you guys. Um, Wish I Knew You in particular went to number one on, on a couple different Billboard charts. Uh, single's been certified double platinum, and it's got this, you know, great groove. It's kind of this funky you know there's a little soul there's a little r&b there's a, a a little rock in there um and it, it, there's just something about it that you know it, it's just one of those roll down the windows kind of records you know it just feels feels great oh, man. um and, and that's one that that uh, i believe was written like the, the writing credits go to the whole band um talk a bit about how that song came together um well uh so that was one that I, you know, I wrote, I wrote all the lyrics and the melody and, you know, in the chords on the acoustic. Um, but that's actually kind of something that we do, you know, even if I write a song, all the lyrics, all the melody, I still share, you know, in the, in the love of the publishing, you know, cause it just feels like the right thing to do. And also, I mean, people also, there's always, somebody's going to bring, inevitably someone's going to bring something unique to the table in the studio. So that's also a big part of it. Um, but yeah, I got to say, man, that, that tune, everybody really brought their, their a game, you know, they brought those tasty little ear candy melodies here and there. Yeah. George, that baseline, I, you know, like 
I feel like the baseline on that song, if the baseline wasn't like the way that it is, I don't think that song would have connected, you know, as much as it did. I think people definitely connect with the message and the melody, but I think that, you know, having that that beat and the groove the way that it is made it exponentially more accessible. You shine like a star. You know who you are. You're everything beautiful. She's hot, hot like the sun. The loneliest one. Still everything beautiful. But I'll be goddamn standing at It's almost like what we were talking about before is is kind of teasing out the difference between a song and a record, you know, which the lines get real blurry of like where one ends and, and one begins. And there might be a song that you pick up an acoustic guitar or you sit down at the piano and you play it and you're like, yeah, it's a good song. And then you get the right musicians and they start adding their thing. And then you go, it's a good song. And wow, now it's this whole other thing as a record, yeah. you know, that it, it, it brings it into a whole new sphere, you know, with that collaboration. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's sometimes that can be really eye opening. Sometimes it can be a bit of a labor of love too. Sometimes right. it's like, Oh my God, <laughs> we are, we've started here and now we're over here. Maybe we need to bring it, bring it back in and kind of find the center of it. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's always, I feel like it's always a delicate balance of, yeah going from the, you know, the acoustic vocal melody, just here is the song. Now, what do we want to dress it in? Yeah. Um, it's always a delicate dance, I think, especially when there's, you know, eight guys in the band <laughs> and want to make sure everybody's voice is heard. Um, but you, but it's like, we're, we're definitely getting better. I think at realizing what is really, you know, where's the true essence of the song and what is the thing that really wants to be, you know, in the forefront? Yeah. How is this, how does the song want to move? Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel best? That's why we're so, that's why we're like so schizophrenic. I feel like in our songwriting where it's just like all over the place where yeah. it's like, we just kind of let the song be the song. Sure. Regardless of genre. It sounds like the way that you guys tend to write is you kind of like go away and you do your thing and then you get together and you, and you 
Hey, I got this. You know, is that is that pretty much the standard, or do you guys ever get together as a whole band just as a blank slate and be like, hey, let's let's come up with something? Uh, we we definitely do that. We definitely do that. It's it's like I said, it's tough. I think to just like come in with a blank slate and have like you know eight people in the room, <laughs> you know, just noodling away. It's tough. It <laughs> it definitely takes some. You know, I think it just takes some leadership and, you know, in the moment. And, you know, a lot of times we'll, you know, we'll kind of, we'll try to have a chord structure, at least something that people can follow. So it's just like, it usually, I think it works the best if someone kind of brings in a little piece of something. Right. You know, maybe it's not like a fleshed out song or, or it's just like a, here's some chords and here's a melody. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody can kind of like, they have a little bit of a, a railway to go along. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's such a, um, important element of co-writing that like maybe some younger writers when they are starting out, don't always get, but it's like, if you're going to co-write, whether it's with a stranger or with bandmates, it's like better bring three or four ideas in your back pocket. Even if they don't get brought up in the room, it's just good to have some, something as a starting point, as a direction. Absolutely. Always. I mean, I do a lot of writing sessions and I can tell you that the ones that go well are the ones where I had a little something, you know, I had a little seed that I just yeah, up in the soil, you know, it's like, it's hard to just like come up with something out of the blue in the room when you know you have to, or yeah. you're supposed to, or this is what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Um, well, your 2018 album, take good care. Um, that was, uh, I, at least partially recorded in Nashville or was the whole thing done in Nashville? Um, most of it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. And you see folks like, like Dave Cobb, you know, cropping up who's amazing. And, um, was that kind of the first time that you guys had, had worked in that Nashville setting, which is kind of a different environment? Uh, yeah. I mean, I had done some songwriting there, but as far as just like recording, no, not so much. Yeah. So yeah, that was the first. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. well, and I listened to a song like all my friends, which was also very successful at, at radio. Um, and there's almost like shades of a hip hop cadence to the, to the verses on that, you know, it's, it sort of borrows from funk and hip hop. I'm in my twenties, living reckless. So turn the hourglass over and let's wreck this. It's a brand new world. I got a brand new heart, and every day I make a brand new start. I'm in my twenties, not in a hurry. I got a bulletproof chest so you can hurt me. It's a brand new world. I got a brand new heart, and every day I get a brand new start. hip-hop i love rap um it's uh it's a music that i listen to all the time you know I, I i stay you know i stay healthy i go to the gym and that's most of the time what i'm i'm listening in there you know if i want to get hyped up <laughs> being really? a certain kind of energy that's my vibe you know um 
So, yeah, you know, I, I think that's, uh, I grew up listening to it, you know, I grew up listening to Tribe Called Quest and, you know, the Beastie Boys, um, I don't know, all the goodies, yeah. and that stuff is definitely in there. Um, and I just kind of think, well, I like to put my put my own spin on it, you know? Sure. Actually, for that tune, I actually had those, had those verses kind of mostly written. Um, and I wrote that tune. I wrote that tune with a guy named Dave Bassett, who's a, an incredible songwriter. Um, and so we just kind of wrote. I think we I think we wrote the chorus first, and then we kind of backed our way into the song. And I was like, Oh my god, I've got these. I've got these little couplets, you know. So I, and it, and it just made sense with the with the material that was in the you know with the sentiment of the chorus. So, uh, you know, after a little while, I love how that happens sometimes where it's like, you can just like find a little gold and you're like, oh my God, this yeah. works so well. This was kind of like a, it was just a little piece of, you know, something that was just floating around in the ether that I never really used. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little orphan in your notebook and then you find the right yep. setting and you go, that's where this puzzle piece was supposed to go. That's this puzzle piece. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Um, another single off that record was, um, which was change. And, um, you know, it's, it's got that hook of the change inside your pocket doesn't change a thing. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm not interested in you. I don't care what you got. Kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of lyric. Well, the night came fast. She was burning cold like gas. Oh, she's such a vibrant thing. Make the boys in the cold night sing. makes me go hmm i wonder what happened that that uh that resulted in that lyric do you, do you write songs the way that a novelist or, or a short story writer does where they create a character or do you tend to write more like hey this happened to me and i'm gonna write about that that experience i think it's both i hide a bunch of myself in these tunes and i also create you know fiction because sometimes you know life isn't you know just normal everyday life isn't you know as exciting as some creative you know some character that you could create yeah sometimes it definitely is and sometimes it's more exciting and crazy you know so i think uh you know there's a there's a lot of me and a lot of fiction kind of all mashed into one to yeah. create this like drama because at the end of the day you know, if I'm going to sing a song, I have to connect with it. I have to like live and breathe, you know, every single lyric and it has to feel real to me. So that's kind of like the, the, the standard I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you like to take this opportunity to say the name of the girl you're talking about in change? 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Lift the shield. <laughs> um, Love it. <laughs> Uh, you released uh, a self-titled solo album in, in 2021. Um, and you know, there's some, some great songs in there like shaken and, and heavy soul. Um, but, uh, at the same time I listen, I go, well, this wouldn't really be out of place on a, on a revivalists record. What, what was it that, that kind of spurred you to say like, Hey, I think I want to do kind of my, my own project here. Yeah, man. You know, it was something that I knew I'd always wanted to do. Um, it's just such a different beast. Cause I think with, you know, with the revivalists and with the band, you know, I've got a lot of, um, a lot of shoulders to lean on and, you know, I don't have to make all the decisions, um, which is nice. Um, with your solo project, you know, the buck stops at you, right. you know, and that was something that I think I needed to do for myself, you know, as an artist and a musician, and just a human um you know it was like can you do this you know like because i had never really done that you know yeah and it was a really amazing experience and i think i'll probably do more of it in the future uh, i've i learned a lot through the experience for yeah. sure um some things i will do again and some things i probably won't do you know so think I'm just kind of also, and I, you know, it's like, like you said, some of those songs probably could have been revivalist songs. And I, yeah, I, I agree for sure. Yeah. I think I'm still kind of figuring out what, you know, wants to be on a revivalist record and what wants to be, you know, on a Dave record. Yeah. I think maybe the next thing that I do will be a little more acoustic. Um, I don't think I'm going to tackle something like that next. Um, Cause it's something I've always wanted to do. And, I always see people, you know, every time I post some kind of acoustic thing, they're like, ah, you need to do an album. I'm like, you know what? I, I do. Yeah. I need to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the the most uh, recent thing that you've got going on is the Revivalist's latest record, which is uh, a, a great record. We mentioned it at the top, but it's called Pour It Out Into the Night. Um, the first single was Kid, which already did great at, at radio and is an, another great track. Um, that's a song that you and, and Zach, I understand, started on kind of a, a memorable day in our nation's uh, history. Talk about the, the birth of, of that song. Oof. Yeah, that was an interesting day. Um, we were we had we I don't know if we started it that day, but we were like kind of trying to finish it that day which was like almost harder, you know, um, we're getting all these texts, you know, from our, our friends and family, like, do you see what's happening at the Capitol, blah, 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 at the white house. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was January 6th. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're just like, we, we were torn a bit, you know, cause we have this beautiful thing that we're working on in the room, you know, all kinds of amazing moments that are just happening in real time in the, in the writer's room. And, you know, here's this terrible thing that's happening at the white house. And we're just like, okay, like, yes, this is, you know, important for history. And, you know, we need to obviously pay attention to this, but we also need to pay attention to this beautiful thing. That's, you know, coming to life in the room. Yeah. And I think some of the lyrics in the tune honestly got informed by just that. You know, Zach was basically like, no, we can't, we can't deal with this right now. We have to just stay focused, you know? Right. So, 
we just kept, we stayed in there, stayed focused, you know, and I think some of the, like I said, some of those lines informed that, like living for the spirit now. I think like, I don't think that would have necessarily came out if, you know, we hadn't had that, you know, you know, happening. I walked downtown to get my fortune read. She took one look and this is what she said. attention these days sure i mean you got a supercomputer living in your pocket <laughs> right you know it's it's hard it's hard and then if you got add and adhd oh my god <laughs> well i god mean help it's it's a it's an extreme example of of yeah we're trying to be creative and write a song while there's an insurrection happening and we might be watching our our democracy as we know it crumble but we, we got to focus in, you know, I think most songwriters experience that on a less extreme scale. As you say, we, there's, we've got these phones, we've got these devices. There's always something that's competing, always. you know, with the creative muse. Yep. Always yeah. something, yeah. It, you know, it's, and I, yeah. Do you try to write in a, um, in a disciplined way, are you a type of person who says like, hey, I'm going to spend, you know, I'm going to spend the first hour when I get up in the morning kind of working on some song ideas or are you more the type of person that says like when inspiration strikes uh, that that's when I just stop down and go for it? I think I'm always, I've always got my line in the water always um, because I think that inspiration will come more readily um, if you do, Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things that if you're not always doing it and if you're not leaving and breathing it, it's not going to come out your horn. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you've got to, like, I even like I'm having conversations. I'm, it's like, literally there's just like part of my brain that's constantly gaining for a line or what did this person say? Or, Oh, they said something that I definitely, I'm going to log that away. And then after the conversation, I'm going to go put that into my phone, you know? Yeah. Always, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, like, I, I, but like songwriter buddies of my friend, you know, they'll, they'll say something and I'll be like, uh, yeah, we're going to write that one. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? Right. It, it happens all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, I don't necessarily, I will say I do write, I feel like I write my best stuff early in the morning. Hmm. Um, but do I necessarily like get up and write right away? No, I probably should. Yeah. And maybe I'll do that a little more in the future, but, um, I do write every day though. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, um, you know, there is definitely a, um, a socially aware 
aspect of what you guys do. You, you've been vocal about uh, various causes. Um, I think of a song like um, Shoot You Down um, from the Take Good Care record, which is about ending gun violence and is a clever is a clever uh, use of the title because it's it's a twist of, of the phrase of what you might expect it uh, to mean. Yep. Um, but then on the new record, uh, I, I listened to a song like The Long Con, which is about the divisions in this country. It's it's politically charged. I think that's a song that you wrote um, solo and have called uh, A Song for the People. Um, talk about that song specifically, but also just why it's important for you to use um, music and, and lyrics to address social issues. I think that music has a unique ability to kind of uh, grease the wheels a little bit and kind of like slip in the back door on some people, you know, and before you know it, like, oh my God, like maybe my mind has changed on this topic because my favorite artist believes this and they believe in this so much. They're willing to, you know, die on the line for these, these lyrics, you know, yeah. they're willing to put themselves out there and just be, you know, completely exposed, you know? And I think that people, you know, gravitate to that. And like I said, I think music has a, an ability to pierce the veil and pierce the armor. I think that sometimes people have over their hearts or their, you know, their mind where it's like, you know, they think one way and, They've got all this, you know, evidence to back it up, but is it necessarily right? And is it what's good for, you know, humankind? I don't know, you know? So I think it's just important for artists to do that, you know, and speak, you know, speak their truth and the truth. Yeah. Um, so that's just kind of what I was trying to do with that. I was, I was mad, you know, when I was writing that song, I think you can tell. Um, and that's normally not my vibe really, you know? Um, yeah. but I just kind of, you know, I think people needed to see that, that, that side and want to, you know, I don't know. It's, and also the chorus of that tune was something that I was like, all right, this is, I don't want to, I don't want to be completely gloom and doom here. So we've got, I want something that the people can sing together. We can all sing together there yeah. um, and kind of, you know, have some hope, you know, planted in the tune. a huge part of you know my music and our music yeah is to have those seeds of you know hope in there yeah which i think is reflects your impulses as a songwriter to to go like yeah i am angry and i'm writing this from a place of anger but if i don't inject some sense of hopefulness into it then nobody's going to want to listen to it like you know so it's exactly. like it's okay to be exactly. angry and then like find the way to do it creatively that people will actually listen to what you have to say exactly 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I, I read on the internet, so it must be true, uh, that you guys opened for the Rolling Stones at one point. It's true. I got I got to hear about that. (laughs) Oh man. It was, um, so we first opened for them in Jacksonville, Florida. It was amazing, man. I mean, just like bucket list of bucket list, you know, for, for, for a band like us, it's like, those are our, those are our guys. Um, it was just so special and we were just so honored, you know, to, to get the, the call, you know, cause there's people just breaking down the door to, to do those shows. Yeah. And then we opened up, um, I think last year or 2021, one of the two in, um, in St. Louis. And that was amazing as well. I mean, you know, then we got to watch the show, uh, from the box seats, and it was just incredible, man. You know, Mick, yeah. Mick said some really nice things um, while they were out there about us. And I mean, that's uh, I, I could I could go away from music at this point and be good. <laughs> right, right. You've you've achieved it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I understand that you you just recently uh, participated with some some pretty amazing guests on a Ivan Neville record. Yeah. That was, he just called me one day and he said, Hey man, I got this song. I want you to come sing on. It's got a, got a couple people who, you know, a couple of my friends also going to be on it. I had no idea, you know? Yeah. And so I go in and I sing, I sing on it. And then he, you know, hits me up a couple of years later. And he's like, check it out. And there's like Bonnie Raitt, Shorty, Michael McDonald. I'm like, Oh, amazing. <laughs> good job dude good job right right yeah i mean i think that you know we it, we can look at someone like yourself and go oh this guy's you know the the front man of a band he's you know got cool videos and he's playing in, in front of audiences you know this is like a a rock star dude i don't think you ever stop being the teenage version of yourself that's like dude, I just got to open up for the Rolling Stones. You know, I just got to sing like there, there has to be an element. I think even for your own creativity that no matter what level you get to, uh, I would imagine that there's that thing where you're like, man, I just played for the Stones and now I want to go write some more songs. I just, you know, like it, it keeps fueling you. I would imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always want to keep that, Keep that inner punk rock child alive. <laughs> right. For sure. Right. Right. Keep that spirit Absolutely. going. That's cool. Um, well, once again, the uh, new record is Pour It Out Into the Night from Concord Records, uh, The Revivalists. I think this might be your your best album yet. Uh, congratulations on a, on a great body of work. You, and uh, it's been uh, it's been great just to hear you talk about your your songwriting. But. I appreciate uh, you taking the time today, man. This was an honor to be on here, and thank you. This was great. Had a great time. Thanks for listening. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Songcraft, please take a moment right now to subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can keep up with us on Instagram at Songcraft Conversations or Facebook at Songcraft Show. To join our team and help support our content, become a Songcraft patron at patreon.com. Visit patreon.com slash songcraftshow. And you can always find us at songcraftshow.com. 